Theaters welcomes you to the exciting world of the movies. Smoking is not permitted in this auditorium. It's the law. Certificates are available at the box office. Thanks for helping us keep the theater clean. As you exit the auditorium, please deposit litter in trash receptacles in the lobby. Please be considerate and don't talk during the show. back in happy new year it is jb's driving podcast here with pc paul and not pc paul he arrives every once in a while though he arrives everyone he won't be making an appearance this movie though i don't think so no uh this is um pretty much the antithesis of uh <laughs> of yeah. PC culture, that's for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can pretty much find every single offensive thing that somebody in the PC world would, would find offensive. You can find that in this movie. And this is, that's why. Except we... I don't think that there's any nudity. No, there's not. This yeah. is missing. No, it's that's missing the only nudity, thing yeah. not mi- that, that's it's not definitely there. Definitely missing nudity. Yeah. It but, is. Uh, you know, none of it seems to offend me. No, no. I, I, this is. Now, admittedly, um, we didn't talk about Christmas Carol. Uh, Well, uh, Christmas Carol is done. The Christmas season is over. Uh, We enjoyed making the Christmas Carol. I'll be watching it this, uh, because this is technically being recorded right before Christmas. December 20th, yes. We're We're pretending the Christmas season is done. Yeah, we'll be... um, me and my mom will watch it Christmas Eve. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Hopefully, the kids will be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends. Hopefully, you know, separate uh, the, being divorced. You have uh, kids here and kids there. It's a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, so I'll be watching it for the third or fourth time this year, which is a lot for me. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, that's that's actually I've. Probably watched it about four or five times. Yeah. Of course, we can attribute a couple of that to. Well, most show. of it's for the show. Yeah. I mean, I've watched it two and a half times for the show, and I'll be watching it again on Christmas Eve. So, oh, I mean, it, it yeah. is it is a, you know, it's obviously the one that I enjoy the most. Um, I uh, we also just watch Elf. Elf, yes, yeah, and not a big. Uh, it's funny. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's funny. I, it's it's the movie. What gets me about Elf is it's played throughout the entire year because I think TBS owns the rights to it or something. So they play it in June and May and yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Doesn't make to me. a whole lot of sense because it's definitely a a Christmas movie. I mean, yeah. there, there's no getting around that. Yes, not as much as Die Hard is a Christmas movie, but pretty close. <laughs> I don't know, man. That it's I, been raging on the internet this week. It is on Twitter. Like literally, people are going batshit over if Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. Yeah, and I actually wrote an article on the Resurgent about it. That Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Well, it, I outlined yeah. everything, everything. Yeah, including the fact that both uh, McTiernan and the uh, screenwriter D'Souza both said, "Yeah, it's a Christmas movie." So. Well, I mean, right if they here. wrote it and they said it's a Christmas movie, <laughs> then it's a Christmas movie. There's not an argument to be made. No. 
No. If they said it wasn't a Christmas movie, I guess you could kind of make an argument, then why the hell did you make it so much of a Christmas movie? Um, <coughs> well, yeah. But, but I go back to, uh, and I think we talked about this last time, uh, if Home Alone is a Christmas movie, then Die Hard is a Christmas uh, movie. Because there's a very, I mean, there's subtle differences between the two movies, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, but... They are the same concept. The, the same. I agree. The same same concept. What I did with the article is I broke down the time period. I yeah. broke down the story, the themes, the nuances, and objectively, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah. I mean, just object. Not not even being funny about it. You know, being taken one side or the next because it's good fun. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I don't. I I mean, I don't understand why people are arguing against it. First off, I don't understand why so many people are vehemently against the concept. It's like, what are you trying to fight here? I don't understand what you know, what bone you have in this fight. I I, I don't get it. Um, misers, but uh, Scrooges. Well, I, I guess be, I guess if you're like an agnostic or you're you know you don't believe in Christmas or something, you don't want it to be a Christmas movie. I don't I, know. I I don't get that. it. I don't but I can't answer that question. I I mean I think that even something you know like Scrooge can be enjoyed by somebody who doesn't celebrate Christmas. I mean I I know plenty of Jewish people that still enjoy Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, you know they they give a sense of you know togetherness, family. I mean, and that's really all you're trying to get across. Exactly. I mean, unless of course you're watching the Nativity. <laughs> it's a little bit different. <laughs> it's a yeah. bit different. A little bit different. Um, that's definitely way you know heavy. But anything else, there's there's always that cornballish Santa Claus shit mixed in with almost every other movie. Yeah. That you see, I mean, yeah, no, you, you know, Christmas movie. I mean, Christmas movie. It's a, again, very rarely when I did my research on it. I actually did research on the Christmas movies. Very rarely do you find it centered around the purpose of the holiday. It's no, uh, it's a no. side story that happens to actually take place during Christmas. That the catalyst was Christmas. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Here's a, a weird example: the Santa Claus. The Santa Claus is actually. Less of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. <laughs> it really is because it takes place mostly throughout the throughout the rest yeah. of the year. Yeah. Because basically, I didn't think about that. But that's Santa Claus yeah. dies. I mean, for everybody should have seen the movie by now. For so, I'm not spoiling anything here. But you know, Santa Claus dies, and Tim Allen's basically taking his place. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the year is when the movie takes place. He's getting fat. He ends up going to the North Pole, blah, blah, blah. And then it culminates with him, you know, having his first Christmas. But it's really not a Christmas movie. It's a coming-of-age story. It's, it, it, it's, you know, the second one is probably closer to a Christmas movie than the first one is. But I would consider Die Hard more of a Christmas movie than The Santa Claus. I can see that, yeah. So I, I, mean, can, I, mean, I honestly can see that. It, it, so I just don't understand that. Um, but getting back to uh, a Christmas Carol, I, I mean, I, I think we said everything that needed to be said. To be perfectly honest with you, it, you know, I think it's the 
it, it is definitely the best version of a Christmas Carol. There are other versions that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Alistair Sim, uh, Patrick Stewart. Um, the Muppets. The Muppets. I mean, yeah, the Scrooged. Um, Scrooge, yeah. There, there's obviously other versions that I, I enjoy. You know, I haven't watched Scrooge at all. I have not this watched, year, I haven't really? Scrooge yet, yeah, no. I haven't watched it yet. We usually watch it. I, I might be watching with the kids on Friday. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, coming up. So, it, it you know, it, it's one of those things where... I watch it every year. Yeah, you have to. You get around to it. It's a class. Um, I, I, remember, I remember going to the theaters with my dad to see it. But that was another one of those, we're going to make up a song and everybody needs to start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you got to understand, I just edited that Christmas Carol, that damn song. Did, did you actually add it in? Because I haven't heard the... Oh, yes, I did. Is it in the first one? I believe so, but only once. The second one, it's in there quite a few times. <laughs> That sounds horrible. Uh, that song is absolutely And I'll just say this. Another song that we love might have made an appearance in that movie, too. In that the same uh, part. Yeah, the yeah, Robin Hood? Yes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Why would we go back to Robin Why Hood? Why not? Why not? Ugh. Continuity. Even though these are evergreen shows, continuity. <clears throat> Got to have some continuity. So um, anyway, and, and another thing that um, I addressed in the end of Christmas Carol Part 2 I don't want to spend a whole lot of time because I didn't really get your opinion on this, but Greg Klein of redmaryland.com, make sure to visit the podcast. He sent me an article and asked me what, what your take is on this. And I'll take on this on what is a Christmas Carol anti-Semitic? Because they're depicting Scrooge as, you know, his, his name is Ebenezer, uh, I don't think that's a specific Jewish it's a Hebrew, name. Well, that's what that's what the article, his argument was. I actually have who some, wrote the article? Some guy named William Melton. I'm actually. I would venture to guess, unless he's actually Jewish, he's Jewish. Even if, I mean, because that seems like it's being nitpicky or it coming from a point of view where you want it to be anti-Semitic. Do you know what I'm saying? You, you know what's funny is that I wrote something up that I'm going to be recording for the end of A Christmas Carol. Okay. That is a retort to that article. And you just pretty much nailed what my point was in the retort. It's about someone who is a Scrooge yeah, trying it, to find nitpicky, taking the banner of SJW culture, and just hammering everything. It just, yeah, I mean, you, you're literally trying to find something. I, and I, I see that more and more often, yeah, and which is why I read less and less articles oh, <laughs> man. online. You're, you're going to love my retort. <laughs> you're going to appreciate it. Make sure you listen to my, my I, I uh, structured as uh, Jerry Springer's final thoughts. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you just appended to the end. Yes, I appended to the end and say it in the same, uh, the same cadence. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, it. It is what it is, but I really think that you see it so often. <laughs> you, do. you do. You see it so often yes. where it's just like, I can't even come up with an example because it, because you see it on the most ridiculous shit now. You really do. Like, You're, like okay, let me put it to you this way. You could go on, what, what's, a, what's one of the big social justice sites right now? Uh, I can't think of it. It ain't Reddit. No, 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 <laughs> Reddit no, no, is no. fantastic. Um, it's just the opposite. I can't think of the site name. I've, I've, uh, Vox. Vox, that's a good one. 
So Vox will go and they'll have somebody write an article about how, you know, LGBTQ is anti-gay. You, you, I, I mean, yeah, they, you they know just, what I'm saying? They'll, they've gone nuts. They've gone batshit, like Scrooge went batshit. It just doesn't, they, they will take whatever, you know, if you have the American, now, I, I am not innocent of this because obviously I'm vehemently against certain um, uh, uh, charities. Uh, Which in is particular. completely understandable, though. But, but, but there's reasoning behind that. Yes. I mean, you know, I'm all for the ACA, mm-hmm. okay? I, I, am not go- I am not a fan of uh, the, what is it, the Save the Tatas, the... Uh, yeah, the, the Susan G. Susan G. Coleman because, Coleman because, of, because the of the overhead. Yep. I mean, the overhead is ridiculous. When it you is. have almost nothing going to cancer research, then why <laughs> less than 5%, donate to yeah, them? yeah. And and that why because they get cross promotion because that's what they spend all their money on is yes. marketing. They don't spend it on anything in particular. And I know people that have gone through breast cancer who hate Susan G. Komen. They hate Susan G. Komen. Um, at the same time, like I said, the ACA and 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 other organizations like that where they're a, you know more driven. To to you know to whatever their particular the purpose purpose is, those are the ones I get behind. Yes, you know, but it, it is what it is. I don't know, and I don't I don't even know how we went down. It, it it's basically comes back to people trying to find problems with where there isn't really a problem. Yes, you will appreciate what I have to say. Okay, just make sure to listen to the end. I, well, I I try to listen to all of you. Really nailed you. Really nailed what the point I was making. You nailed it perfectly. Oh, okay. You nailed it perfectly. What I said. Oh, well, that's because we're of one mind. Because I when when you know ultimately it's like if someone asked me if a Christmas Carol was an anti-Semitic, I I would say I don't know and I don't care. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and there and there's and the reasoning behind those two answers are exactly what you just said. Okay, so. Anyway, let's get to the real star of today's show. I know it's somebody, something everybody's looking forward to in terms of hearing our breakdown of, and that is the Nicolas Cage, Jerry Brockheimer classic, 1997's Con Air. Con freaking Air. Now, before we, can, before we continue, in full disclosure, I love this movie. How could you not? I... I it, I find oh, when people say they don't like Con Air or they say that the acting is horrible or whatever, first off, the cast is phenomenal. Yes. Secondly, yes. it's an action movie. Yes. It's not Hamlet in the Park, you assholes. Thank you. Okay, Thank so you. You, you get off your high horse about, okay, is it going to win an Academy Award? Who gives a shit? It's an Academy Award. <laughs> Okay, nobody, anybody striving to win an Academy Award is is a movie I generally don't like to watch anyway. It's funny because it did win two Academy Awards, two Oscars. For for what? Like music? (laughs) And let me get, I would always guess music or um, special effects or something like that. Mm -hmm. Because they're not going to win for acting or directing. And how is it that, let me ask you this, how is it that, Directing somebody, directing a fish in a tank <laughs> who, you know, and some lady making love to a fish in a tank. <laughs> How is the directing on that any better than the directing on a movie like Con Air when it's got so many moving parts? 
It's absurd. And we get to that later in the movie. Yeah. There, at the end of this movie, the last 20 minutes of this, there is so many that's, goddamn cutscenes. Fantastic. That it took, and I'm not joking, okay? This is not an exaggeration for the show. I spent 11 hours doing the write up for this show. He's not joking. He texted me throughout the day that he was doing Gone Air. It, it, Literally. Because there's so much jump cuts and so much. Shit, it was impossible not to do the write-up the way I did it. It was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So anyway, well, yes, you know, screw that. You, I, you, it, 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 it's funny because there are people who hated Con Air, and one of the people that hated Con Air happened to be Jerry Brockhammer's partner, Don Simpson. He hated so much that he chose to actually cut ties with Brockhammer, and their partnership ended um, because of this. A few, a few hours, I mean, a few, uh, not so funny, a few months later, he died. Oh, wow. Yeah, but, uh, but Brockheimer is, is uh, legendary, I guess you could say now. I think he would be legendary because he's been in Hollywood for... Yes, but he, he's just a producer. Just a producer. He doesn't direct. He doesn't write. He doesn't do anything else. I'm still not 100% sure what the hell producers do because there's... <laughs> literally dozens of producers on every movie. Well, they can't all be dealing with the money and they can't all be dealing. You you know what I mean? It's just absurd the way he produces. I don't know. They produce. Yeah. He's in charge of everything. Essentially, they're in charge of everything. But they don't generally make decisions on the direction of the film. That's the director. I think they're more even the, the acting is usually handled he, by the director. He's you know I think the producers are more like the overall creative decisions of the movie, not the the day in and day out decisions like a director does. But I think more of the the greater picture. I think the producers do. I I'm talking out of my ass right now, but you don't need twenty four people to do that. They got friends, you know. Uh, hey, buddy. Uh, hey, Jerry. Can I be on your movie? Oh, sure. You'd be an executive producer. Well, that you that know. you see everywhere. Executive producer, mostly the top build actor, generally ends up getting executive, executive producer, and I think that has to do with salary. I think it just has to do yeah. with getting money. Now, here's for the, the thing: film. most movies don't make money. That's the, that's their little secret in tax. Most movies don't make money. Okay, they are they are designed to make. Little to no money at all. All right. No. no. I don't... Even though you'll see them gross like billions of dollars in a box market, box office... <laughs> Damn it. Box office. They don't make money. They're designed to. I don't know how, like, Titanic didn't make money. Oh. I mean, it was... It cost, like, what? It was $300 million to make God. it or something like that? God damn it. I uh, found a cut. I got found a tie-in with the next movie, by the way, oh, with this okay. movie. So, anyway, getting getting off base there. Um, but Brockheimer, I mean, he he started out with Flashdance. Yeah. Uh, then he went on to produce thing uh, movies like Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cops, Days of Thunder, tons the, and tons of TV. Yeah, uh, CSI's. CSI's. Yeah, CSI's. One of our favorite movies, The Ref. Yep. Uh, the Rock, another one of my favorite movies. Yeah, and that was another... him. Com- he combined a lot with Nick Cage. Yes. He did a lot of movies with Nick Cage. Even the, as you'll find out later, the National Treasure movies. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah it sounds about right. He probably did like he probably did Snake Eyes. And <laughs> I, I think he, probably he did. did most of the bigger movies that Nick Cage because Nick Cage still puts out like two films a year at least, but nobody hears about them. None of them really make it to the theater. No. I mean, no, they don't. I think the last one I remember making to the theater was Drive Angry or something. Drive Angry. What the hell is that about? Yeah. I, I, I don't remember at this point. But I, I, I just, I mean, I've seen the movie. I might even have it at home, but that's the last one I remember going to the theater. All right. I hope he makes National Treasure 3. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, uh, so Brock Hammer is, is a, uh, a legend. Uh, Nicholas Coppola, also known as Nicholas Cage at this point, you know, he had this, this relationship with Brock Hammer, but he actually wasn't the only one considered for this part. Our good friends uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme. We've mentioned all three of those on our show so far. Yeah, because they get, they get brought up for almost all these roles. Yes, they do. Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine Dolph Lundgren in this role? I could imagine him in the movie, but yes. not in the Nick Cage role. He'd be one of the I mean, Jesus, what is he? He's going to do a Southern accent? <laughs> is, I'm, I mean, it couldn't be much worse than Nick Cage's Southern accent, but still. You, you, could, you could have Kevin Costner's English accent. <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even imagine. It's like the next one, Sylvester Stallone, him doing a Southern accent probably wouldn't work too well either. And uh, and Steven Seagal were all considered for this part. Steven Seagal was doing every movie then. John, Gle- I mean, all these guys were doing all the action movies at the time. Yeah, they were. I mean, ninety seven was towards the end of it, but you know, Jean Claude Van Damme was going strong all through the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because he, he got away from movies like Bloodsport and got more into. Uh, what was that soldier movie? I can't think of the name. Universal Soldier. Universal Soldier, which was more uh, A movie, you know, A level type movies. My favorite was when he started with Wolfer Brimley. In uh, what was that movie? I don't remember. Wolfer Brimley on a horse. That's all I remember. I don't remember that movie at all. Was Jean Claude Van Damme? He was. He was in there. I don't remember the movie. Greg Klein suggests that we pause it and look it up and come back. Maybe I'll just dub it in. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Very. <laughs> so, Nicholas Coppola, who happens to be uh, Francis Ford Coppola's nephew through his father, is known for Peggy Sue Got Married, up until this point, Raising Arizona, Valley Girl, Moonstruck, Firebirds. I love Firebirds, that helicopter movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Red, Wa- Red Rock West, which is underrated in my opinion, and, of course, there's his um, Oscar-winning performance in uh, Le- Leaving Las Vegas. Yes, but I, I don't think you should overlook... Uh, the vampire movie? Well, Vampire's Kiss was horrible. and uh, But um, I was thinking more oh, along the lines of uh, Fast, Times, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Where he made his debut. debut. Right. But I didn't put that in there because he wasn't really a... You know. It, but it's one of those things when you... F- when, you know, at our age, the first time you saw Fast Times at Ridgemont High, he was already a big star. So when you yeah, sit there and yeah. you watch the movie and then you see, you know, uh, uh, Sean um, Penn 
hanging out with Nick Cage with and their real hair, right? And they're like <laughs> a bunch of surfer dudes. It's it's pretty jarring, jarring. It's very jarring, yeah. Especially you know in the late eighties after you know Sean Penn has done lost his shit and beaten up uh, reporters and photographers and shit. I mean now he's even worse. He's pissing off uh, 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 drug kingpins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't want to be him right now. That's no. for damn sure. God, no. Oh, God, no. He's probably living in Canada or something. I, don't, I haven't heard a word from him since the whole thing went down. Mm. He's kind of disappeared. And he would have been one of those guys to come out. Probably and did disappear. Shit all over our current president. <laughs> that's right. for sure. <laughs> There's probably a good reason why that nobody's even nobody even wants to talk about why he's disappeared. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. His his, uh, his case is still going on, isn't it? I believe so. In yes. New York. Like, I don't know if they can find a jury. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be hard. I think I heard that they're going to be at a separate location, and they're going to watch the whole thing over video. That's how severe this whole situation is. I don't blame him. I do not blame him. Do not blame him. Okay, getting back to Con Air. Oh, and uh, Director West. Uh, this was his first film, but he was uh, more widely known as directing Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up music video. <laughs> you know what? Nobody, nobody gave a shit about that until the Rick Rolled thing like five years ago. Yep. Okay, seriously, that video came and went and nobody thought anything of it. At the time, there was a lot better videos that got a lot more play. A lot more play, but but Rick Astley... But that is pretty funny. (laughs) It's pretty funny. So as you can see, we have this synergy of Brockheimer, Rick Astley, and Nicolas Cage. Who gets right, paint right. a lot for his acting style, which I understand his acting style, and he makes it an art more than just being an actor. That's my opinion. What do you mean, Nick Cage? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think he does what he does on purpose. You cannot be the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola and be that incompetent. Now, I'm not saying his acting style is like, because I know what he does. I don't, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's definitely, sometimes it's more over the top than others, but it definitely is a style that he has. And in this particular case, he tries the Southern accent, which is just god-awful. You know, he spent some time in Alabama prior to this movie to get that accent. Okay. Yeah. I don't know where in Alabama. I don't know either. I had no idea. Real Todd, right? So this brings us to Con Air. And the, the opening... Uh, montages of the Iraq war with the uh, decommissioning speech yeah. that's being read. I, I, now, I've read, and it was un... Um, un uh, they, they didn't put the a credit up there, uncredited, but I heard... It, I read that it was... Um, God damn it, I can't think of the dude's name from Rapid Fire. He's got, he's got a woman's first name. Powers Booth. Powers Booth, okay. Powers Booth is the one that did the voiceover for that. Now, I don't know if that's true, but because it was uncredited, but that's what I had read. Anyway, go on. Anyway, Sorry. so then we, we are taken to the Oyster Bar in Mobile, Alabama, where Cameron Poe is returning to meet his wife, who happens to be pregnant. Now, I guess we're supposed to, and, and the opening part is implied that he was just decommissioned. Yes. Correct? Yeah, yeah. 
And this is where he, his, his wife is, is the, uh, the bartender. And he quasi makes out with her. Um, then embarrassingly talks about, tell me, talks to her belly because she's, Cause she's pregnant. Because she's pregnant. She's very pregnant. She's very pregnant, correct. So, and, and I, all I said was, like, they definitely, in the beginning of this movie, they bill him as a guy with a short temper. Mm-hmm. Um, and he seems to get immediately embarrassed when confronted by Billy Joe. He just doesn't let shit go. Mm-hmm. Yet he walks into the bar and is just making a complete ass out of himself talking to his wife's belly mm-hmm. in front of all these patrons to the point where his wife actually looks embarrassed. So I, I did have a kind of a problem with the way that whole scene plays out because it didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever, it's just a minor thing. Minor thing. But within <clears throat> five minutes, because of how Cage is acting, <laughs> of course, three regulars start giving him uh, shit and one of them starts hitting on his, uh, his wife. Well, yeah, and I mean, as soon as he walks in and starts making out with her, the, it's Billy Joe, uh, who's not credited also. But uh, Billy Joe, he is, I want a piece of that, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, the, when the, you're typical, the typical yeah, bar, yeah, tough guy nonsense. tough guy, yeah. Um, Alabama, yeah, we get it. But this, you know, this was the other thing. First off, he, he taunts him with, uh, Billy Joe says, Chicken shit because of pussies like you. We lost Vietnam. I'll tell you that. Well, the, the problem I have with that is, first off, it's obvious that he's coming back from Iraq, okay? Because this was 97. Yes. So why he would... to be in Vietnam. Yeah, why he goes to Vietnam with that, I have no clue yeah. whatsoever. But even beyond that, you're talking about Mobile, Alabama, which is the centerpiece for, like, patriotism, especially in the 90s. Yeah. Okay, you're, you're right. The South would have sense. just been, you know, he would have walked in the door and they would have blown him. I mean, that's yeah. how... Blow him a drink to blown him. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense that he's going to start shit with an army ranger. It, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I, I mean, and there's plenty of shit that doesn't make sense in this movie, but this is probably the stuff that bothered me the most, which is why it took yes. me... So long just to get to Yeah, I'm seeing it's for such a short scene. I mean, so his his wife um alludes to Cameron having a past, maybe a short temper, possibly violent. Yeah, they don't really specify what he had done, just made comments like, Well, you know what happened last time. <laughs> <laughs> so can Cameron Poe, knowing that, you know, maybe maybe he's gotta dodge uh walks Trisha. To the car in his rain. That's where, of course, what do you expect? Those three same bar patrons, um, they confront him and they start razzing him. And Trisha's trying to control him, Cameron, into the car to go home. Yeah, and, and another thing that bothers me here is he walks into the bar, he kind of makes out with his wife. They're kind of dancing a little bit, but at no point in time do they make it look like he was drinking mm-hmm. or, you know, any place because he if he's an army ranger yeah there's a there's a certain level of like attack in that i guess but at the same time you would think that he would have learned some discipline when he was there yeah so it's kind of strange to me that his reaction is so 
over the top. Instead of just getting in his car and leaving, he decides that he's going to confront these three guys, which can only end in a fight. Which can only end in a fight. And, and this is the biggest debacle in the movie. And again, this is just setting everything up to the, the greater. Yeah, so, all of this is set up, and, and it doesn't stop here because it keeps going all the way through to him being... So the, the three bumbling regulars rip his bars off his uniform and start beating him down. Which seemed very tacky to me as well, why they would immediately go after his stars it's and bars. Stupid. It's just Because they're jealous that he's married to this girl. I mean, what up? But why? It doesn't... Doesn't matter. It doesn't... Make fucking sense. So, but since he's a Cameron... <laughs> since he is Cameron Poe, Nicolas Cage, he starts overpowering the three drunks, and that's when Billy Joe pulls a knife and ding 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 once you pull a knife you got lots of excuses for self-defense oh yeah oh hell yeah especially in alabama especially after you've been decommissioned and you are no longer in the military yeah yeah well and and see that's the thing when he attacks him he he obviously overpowers him and stabs him you mean billy joe stabs billy joe yes but the, but then one of the other guys grabs the knife when he's running off. So I really, really thought, okay, this is going to be a big plot point moving forward, that he took the knife so Runs he off. can't make the argument that it was self-defense. Even though it was three guys coming after him, and the guy obviously got stabbed. Yes. So he, he, you know, even if the knife isn't there, somebody had a knife. You, you, you know what I mean? So it, it does not make sense, and especially doesn't make sense after what happens when he, when he goes to court. So anyway, yeah, he, he immediately gets arrested, mm-hmm. um, and his attorney wants him to plead down to a lesser sentence. Worst attorney. Which doesn't make sense because it would have been self-defense right off the bat. There's no goddamn way that... First off, I don't even see how they would have gone after murder in this case. I I don't see where they would have pressed charges. Yeah. Because it was was blatant self-defense. It was obvious. Yes. Even though he's a ranger, it's obvious self-defense. Yes. Okay? So why they went after murder charges, I have no clue whatsoever because there would have had to been some kind of a tent. He would have had to literally seek out Billy Joe and stab him. That malice. Yes. (laughs) It didn't make, so manslaughter would have been the highest charge that they could have had, but he's pleading down Down to manslaughter in the first degree. It's it's insanity. Holy crap. That's like, yeah, essentially saying, yeah, I killed him and I'm guilty. I just didn't plan it. I mean, that's essentially the difference. What happened, you know, but he attacked me first and I had my pregnant wife next to me. I mean, yeah, that's the other thing. The pregnant wife is only, I don't know, five feet away before she runs off into the bar. Yeah. Um, and, and then the judge's reaction. (laughs) Yes. Stupid. Another doesn't look at him. They're in Alabama. (laughs) Okay, so I I mean yes, if yes, it's an elected judge. Yes, he'd be patriotic and all that. If yeah, if he's an elected judge, he's definitely gonna be patriotic. That's stupid. It's just this is And then the because and, and what we're about to get into, which is the the cusp of the movie, the whole point of the movie is transporting <laughs> prisoners from San Quentin to Alabama. But the only possible way that that would happen 
is if this was a federal yeah. murder charge. Yes. And he's no longer in the military. No longer in the military. Yeah, he's not. He he's been decommissioned. Yes. He's out. And if he was in the military, he wouldn't have gone on trial. Exactly. He would have went on a military trial. Yes. So it's, <laughs> it's stupid. There's just no... Stupid. Makes no sense. And, and, a lot, and there is another huge freaking thing that we get to later in the movie that doesn't make any goddamn sense. And we'll get to it. I don't want to spoil it yet because you got to hold on. Okay. But, <laughs> but we, have to, on. we have to process this nonsense we, first. We got to hold on. Paul okay, insists. So, Paul spent 18 hours on this. He's got, holy, he's got this tapestry of mis- it's, it's still a phenomenal movie. It, I still love fantastic. the movie. Don't get me wrong. It's just that when I was a kid, literally, well, 97, I would have been, I would have been in my 20s by then. Yeah. But I guess I just didn't pay attention. I don't think anybody else did either. You know, well, obviously the people who wrote the shit didn't pay any attention. Still more continuity than Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the, the the plane that they were flying was actually of the time. <laughs> but, uh, no, like, he, um, it, it, the, the judge... Th- Literally throws the book at him because he's an army ranger and he should know better. And trained to kill. And he's been trained. What, what the fuck are what, you talking what about? What judge who was formerly an attorney, who I assume was a former criminal defense attorney or a prosecutor, come on, you don't know the basic elements? Okay. Trained to kill. You don't, you have to have malice. I, I don't, I'm a, I'm a corporate attorney. I, know, I still remember that. I, I, I am like, just bewildered by this entire thing and the speech that he gives, which is so demeaning. And then he gives them seven to 10 years, which was, I don't know if that's the max for manslaughter. I don't have a clue what the max for man that they definitely made it seem like (laughs) the max that he would get would be like 10 years if he didn't plead down. Mm -hmm. And he might, you know, he would get four years if he pled down with one year served. That's the way they made it sound, and it's like he gets seven to ten years. What the fuck, dude? That makes no sense at all. Yeah. None. None of that made any goddamn sense. So, of course, what comes next? He goes to Sam Quentin fucking state (laughs) prison because he's in Alabama, and obviously this is a federal murder charge, (laughs) which happens, what, maybe twice every 50 years? I, I think that there's been two federal murder charges in the last 50 years. What Paul is saying is that most most uh, oh, and by the way, it's Sam Quentin State Prison, which means that it's a California state prison. It's not a federal prison; it's a state prison. Mm -hmm. So why the fuck? Hey, still better than Robin Hood. I like the (laughs) WTF. Still better than Robin Hood. Holy shit, man. Like, Modern <laughs> sewers in Jerusalem. Still better than Robin Hood. Yeah. <laughs> well, those goddamn sewer, Muslims, they sewer, knew it all back then, sewer didn't they? caps. Oh, yes. Big metal sewer cap. <laughs> torture, torture chambers connected to the sewers. For what reason, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that would make sense. What the fuck? Still better than Robin Hood. Oh, my God. And this is meant, this isn't meant to be taken too seriously. No. I think <laughs> Robin Hood was supposed to be taken a lot more seriously than this was. Oh. And this was just... 
But this is just not something that you can let go by. No, no. It, it's just not. Yeah, we spent we spent about twenty minutes on the phone talking about this a couple of weeks ago when you first watched it. Yeah. Oh my god, it's ridiculous. So anyway, he gets into the prison. So it's kind of a montage in the prison. Wouldn't you say it's like a slow montage? It's, that's exactly what it is. The whole prison experience is a montage because it's just transfer. All of this is transfer. Yes, it's just to get you from a guy who has a background. Mm-hmm. That to getting mean. him on the fucking plane. Because he's a badass. You need to establish that in this. Yes. He is a badass army ranger. And the best way to do that is to constantly showing him shirtless working out. <laughs> well, you know, he did work out. Uh, Cage got in shape for this movie. He would spend... I'm not between, surprised. He was in great shape. He, yeah, in between shots, he would work out. And that's when reporters would get a hold of him when he was working. He was lifting weights between takes. Good for Nicolas Cage. So you see him communicating with his wife, Trisha, that he's not angry, that he's just... Disappointed he won't be there for his baby girl because it's all about his baby girl. Yeah. And he runs into uh, Baby Odell, who refers to as Bubba. And at one point, he's. No, I refer to him as oh, Bubba. You refer to him as Bubba because he was Bubba. Because it's Bubba in, in Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. So, yeah, his actual name is Baby Odell. Baby O. Baby O. Odell. Even though they never actually refer to him as Baby O, he is credited as Baby O. Really? But, in the credits at the end of the movie. Mm. So it's just kind of weird. They never actually call him Baby O in the whole movie. That's Matter of fact, they very seldom actually even call him Odell. I had to literally research it because I had no fucking clue. But anyway, from this point on, in, while we're talking, I refer to him as Bubba. Bubba, okay. Because that's the best way to know him. Okay, that makes Better sense. suck that lip in. <laughs> Better suck that lip in. Shrimp, gumbo. <laughs> From Casserole. Yeah, we'll be uh, looking at that movie maybe in the June, July time yeah, frame. Yeah, we should. Uh, so they befriend each other when Bubba saves Poe. He's knocked out during a prison riot. Um, we also find a couple... Yeah, another thing that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, there's a prison riot going on. He more or less kind of just stays in his cell, but somehow gets knocked out. <laughs> I didn't understand yeah. that. And that's where I learned that he's like the, he is the quintessential awesome prisoner. <laughs> he doesn't get in any trouble at all. He's, you know, he just. Well, he's all about getting out. He just early release. Yes. I get that. I'm, I'm not even arguing that, but how does he get knocked out? And, you know, the whole Bubba thing, like basically he becomes friends with him because he's giving him snowballs, which we get into later. Uh, which I I don't know, it, you know, the people listening know what a snowball. hostess snowball is, but it's essentially... Uh, sugar bomb. Yeah, it, it was like a little tiny piece of, like, chocolate cake with a huge marshmallow around it with coconut, pink coconut on top. <laughs> it's a sugar bomb. Yeah, I, I, I hate them because I don't like coconut. Oh, I, really? Yeah, yeah, I've never oh, liked man. coconut. I don't know why, I just never did. So... <sighs> To say the least, I won't eat snowballs uh, or hostess snowballs. No, hostess snowballs. I, I, I will eat snowballs, but only on a snowman. The consistency. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's your time of year coming up. Yep. Maybe, maybe not. Who the hell knows? Global warming, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so then... uh so you show the progress of a Poe in prison. Yeah, and obviously to show that time has passed, they sequence from him 
writing to his wife, who, by the way, never actually responds in the movie. Other things are though. The only person that you actually get a response from is the daughter. Like, the daughter out. starts reading, which is, you know, supposed to endear you to the daughter. And, you know, I don't know why they got away. They didn't have... But 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 essentially, he's writing letters to. They're writing back and forth. Right, that's how long it's been. The responses from the daughter seem a lot more advanced, and then they dumb down on the last response. She's two years old. Yeah, it it was just writing freaking Shakespearean lyrics to him. Oh, and by the way, during this period of time, Poe decides he's going to learn Spanish (laughs) and origami. Nothing else will do. And you know, well, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, at, at, at the same time, you know, our our big villain is getting a two PhDs. Oh, so, <laughs> it's got a point there. You got Poe's fucking making swans. <laughs> so calm him down, man. Uh-huh. And of course, there's this the letter that he eventually receives from Ugh. his daughter. My daddy is coming home on July 14th. My birthday is July 14th. I'm going to see my daddy for the first time ever on July 14th. <laughs> yeah, no words. <laughs> and that comes up later, though. Uh, yes, it does. But, oh, my God, that's so horrible. So find I, out. Poe but is- that's what I'm saying. Like earlier, the, the response that she sends to him seems more educated yeah. than this response, send, send like which is obviously rocket, one of her school assignments or something. I don't even get it. <laughs> Um, it's in a thesis about physics or something. It's her thesis so, about July 14th, apparently. So the guard, doesn't the guard call him and say, Poe, you're going to be released or something like that? I'm doing the, doing the act. You know that he actually, Nicolas Cage came up with the accent because the, the character itself, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself because I've written later, but the character himself was more generic, Cameron Poe character. The idea I think that, it would have to be if when you look at that list because Sylvester Stallone couldn't have done yeah. a southern accent. Yeah. Uh, Dolph Lundgren you know, can barely do English. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme could not do it. I think he did a Southern accent once and it wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, Are we even at the title? And so then much? Schwarzenegger <laughs> couldn't do a damn Southern accent. No. <laughs> There's no way. So yeah, I think one of the, you know, Bruce Willis probably could get away with it, he but could. I don't really remember him doing one. No, 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 no. No, he did one in, um, the the bartender movie he did when he early on because remember he started as a country singer oh you're right before yeah, he was a movie yeah, star yeah. so I, I successful I career there mm, well not really but no. whatever so then we learn so he's going to get out and he's gathering his stuff to be released and of course Bubba is being transferred at the same time now they're going to be yeah because why because we're opening a new supermax prison in Alabama conveniently so Bubba this is this is something that bothers me a lot and I don't remember if I bring it up later or not but we might as well get into it right now uh Poe and Bubba are best friends (laughs) okay Poe obviously killed a man in self-defense uh you know in in defense of his wife Mm -hmm. in front of a bar he wasn't drunk you know end of story you can look at it as wrong place, wrong time, which I believe they actually say that later in the movie. Wrong place, wrong time. Mm-hmm. Bubba is in San Quentin prison and leaving San Quentin prison to go to another Supermax prison. Mm-hmm. He's obviously a murderer. 
He's not a good person. He's definitely not a good person. Yeah. But he's acting like Big Bird. Or yeah. Elmo. He's Mr. Stuffleupagus <laughs> to Cameron Poe's Big Bird. Yes. Okay. That's definitely what it, and we're like, and the whole time we're looking at him as the lovable teddy bear next door. <laughs> Which, when he's probably a you know either a serial rapist yeah, or a murderer, yeah. well, we're pretty sure he's not a rapist. Yeah, yeah he's not. A rapist. But he's definitely a murderer. Yeah, you don't hear about the, the, the because Cameron Pro is a murderer in for all intents and purposes for this movie. He's a murderer. So, and they make it pretty clear that Bubba was in there the whole time that Poe was in there. So he must have got a much worse sentence. And if he got a much worse sentence, he probably did a mass murder. <laughs> Decapitated a few people. And then probably had sex with the corpse. I mean, that's only my guess. But your guess? I mean, he he's, right. he's not a nice guy, yet yeah. we're supposed to look at him as... Eating snowballs. Right. Like, <laughs> we're going to have a picnic. I'm going to have you over with my six-year-old daughter, and we're going to have a cookout. No. Bring, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll bring the beers. I'll bring the you be- bring your hot dog. And the pliers. It's <laughs> like, what the, the hacksaw. fuck, dude? So the scene switches to that hair, airplane hangar where the where this big jailbird plane is. Well, the, the, the plane, plane is, is actually called, called the, the jailbird, jailbird, which is dumb. It's clever, but dumb. It's actually named after um, there was a new program in 95 between immigration and um, the, the, the division of uh, prisons and all that. Um, and they named the program Jailbird. That's what it's named after. But it, but yeah, it doesn't make sense to actually in the, the plane. Trip, At the same but, time, how often? I mean, they make it sound in this movie like it's constant. But how often are they really flying prisoners around the country? I can't imagine it's that often because it's not like you know it, they have their yes they can't pot, they might not be able to perform surgery in the jail. But there's a hospital like 20 miles away from Sam Quentin. They're not going to fly them across the country for a stab wound. Mm-hmm. So, and even like worst case, you know, with cancer or, or you know, the long death type stuff, mm-hmm. they're still only going to take them to a local hospital. I don't understand why they'd be flying them all around. Unless, I mean, now when you have a serial murderer or you have federal crimes, I mean, that might be different. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a state prison. Yeah, a state prison. And why is the U.S. Marshals, you know, moving state prisoners? I don't know. I don't know. Because it's another part of this whole thing that makes no sense whatsoever. Let's get on with so so. <laughs> you just don't want to acknowledge it, do you? I, I, I don't. So Skip Devers is giving a speech. It's like in, almost in the background. You hear him as the jail, as the bird, as the damn plane is emerging. Yeah, yeah. He's just talking to the marshals. About yeah, flying prisoners around the country for medical reasons. Which, by the way, none of the goddamn marshals are actually on the fucking plane. They're not on the plane. They're just listening because it's a movie. And he says that this is designed to house the worst of the worst. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that it's convincing that way. I mean, yeah, they, they have them in... The ones that are in seats are handcuffed down. Then they have half of them are in cages. So it, it, it definitely comes across, like, legitimate mm-hmm. in that regard. So, 
And meanwhile, you have John Cusack, who this part was written for. He's behind Skip kind of mocking him. Uh, and then Skip takes uh, – you mean Cusack, right? Takes Vince Larkin out to meet DA agent Duncan Malloy. Skip takes uh, John Cusack out, yeah. I, I meant Vince Larkin, sorry. Uh, out to meet the DEA agent Duncan Malloy, who is played by – Cole Meany. Now, at the time, Cole Meany was mostly known for his work on Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. He was uh, Chief Officer O'Brien. So he was like the nice guy chief, uh, security chief, I mean, because like generally the security chiefs in those shows were kind of like a-holes, but for some reason he was a nice guy. Um this was a weird role for him because, like I said, at the time, he was playing such a nice guy on TV, and then he just, just plays like a just a total dickhead in this he plays movie. Plays a Johnson. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I referred to him as uh, like the Johnsons in Die. the Die Hard movie. So, he, he's an exact duplicate of one of those guys. Okay. So, and the reason why he's being taken out to meet Duncan Malloy is because they have a DA agent, uh, Willis Sims, who's played by Jose Zuniga, He's be putting. He's be put in the plane as kind of a as a mole. Yeah, he's a mole um, to get to infor- get information from uh, Francisco Sedino about their drug cartel organization. There's this argument that takes place between uh, Vince Larkin and Duncan about Sims carrying a pl- uh, gun on the plane. They come to this resolution that it's going to be carried with the rest of the weapons, which in the storage... No, he doesn't... He's not supposed to have a gun a at gun, all. A gun at all. Okay, that's right, because he slips the gun. He because slips, par, as part of the security, right. they have one gun in the cockpit, which eh, doesn't make a lot of sense, but then the rest of the guns, which they apparently have an entire arsenal of yes, guns do. down in the hull of the plane, which is not accessible during flight. So that doesn't make a lot of sense either, but it's there. Correct. And... uh there's also the, you know, the information that the plane is going to make a stop in Carson City to pick up Sedino before going to Alabama. We'll get to that whole debacle shortly. Yeah, but it, even, even of itself, though, I don't quite understand why they would be going to Carson City before flying to Alabama, just in general. I, I, it didn't make a lot of sense to be picking up some here and then picking up some there and then flying to Alabama. It's a long fucking flight. Long effing flight, yes. Yes. So then we, we are transported to a bus interior where uh, guard Sally Bishop, who is Molina from uh, another fantastic movie, Total, Re- Total Recall. Yeah. And she was also the, the cop detective in Falling Down. Which in itself which is a great movie. Yes. Michael Douglas. It, I love that movie. My my, it's weird, and I'll quick diatribe. Uh, my mother was a huge Michael Douglas fan, like you know, mm-hmm. uh, found them attractive, loved them in every movie he did, and then, and then falling down came then, out. Then you're here. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> you, never mind. Uh, the, the joke was that you, she had sex with Michael Douglas, and then you came along. Oh well, I, I, I don't know. I, there is there is a resemblance there. <clears throat> okay, if you're drunk. <laughs> if you're really drunk <laughs> and partially high, you have uh, more. You have more resemblance than the two actors in the Christmas Carol. Between looking, at each, remember that um, Fred and uh, Fan. Oh yes, two actor okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. I see the. <laughs> I see your mother's. <laughs> oh God. Anyway, um, so yeah, he. Um, 
so during the during the in the bus interior, the, the guard bishop is talking to the inmates, but mostly Poe. And Poe's over the moon because he's about to go meet his little girl. Yeah, I forgot my. We were in the middle of my story though. Oh shit! I'm yeah. Sad. Just I, the the point was was when falling down came out. Oh, Michael right. Douglas had the crew cut haircut and looked <laughs> yes. all old, like he was working at DOD or something. Was, was your was your mother disappointed? Oh, she was very angry. <laughs> She was very angry. She did not like that movie at all. <laughs> but sorry, anyway, go back to this. This is what's important. So uh, the guard bishop is talking to everybody, as I said, in the, in the bus as they're going over to meet the jailbird, his prisoners to be transported. And Poe is just along for the ride. Yeah, he just but to- he still gets treated just like all the other prisoners, which makes very little sense. I mean, I... Guess it makes sense, but not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but but really, this whole scene is just to give Poe another friend on the plane mm-hmm. uh, because he's got Bubba. Uh, he's on a plane full of criminals, even though Bubba's uh, you know five time murder rapist. <laughs> um, well, I, is it really rape if you rape the corpse? I. It's it's desecration of body, yeah. so I guess it's not really rape. Yeah. So we won't call him that. It's uncomfortable. That's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so now we have a second. Not talking from personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> Although one of my past girlfriends, <laughs> I won't go there. Oh, <laughs> Pretty Jesus. much like a freaking corpse. Oh Ugh. my god! <laughs> yeah, that that was a bit much. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the um. Ugh. <laughs> so this gives him somebody else on the plane that's kind of there. And and it also, you know, because he's talking about his daughter and how much he's looking forward to seeing her, Sally Bishop immediately drops her guard and and is willing to acknowledge that he's a good guy. Yeah. So yeah. I mean it, it it builds a friendship. A friendship, a bridge between two people that have no reason to have a friendship. And you also find out that Bubba is diabetic at this point. Maybe that's why. Yes. Maybe he rang the pharmacist's neck or something. Yes. And he needs his insulin shots. I'm waiting till later. But he didn't get a shot the night before. Yes, he didn't get his insulin shot the night before. Yes. When you go off in the diatribe, I actually might stop and take a piss and then come back. Yeah, you might need to. Because <laughs> so. it just makes me very angry. Then now we're introduced, we, we switch to the Jailbird's interior where we're introduced to the all-star cast of murderers. Well, we told you today's flight would be special. That's William Bedford, a.k.a. Billy Bedlam. The mass murderer? The same. He caught his wife in bed with another man, left her alone, drove four towns over to his wife's family's house, killed her parents, her brothers, her sisters, even her dog. Scan him. And who is that good-looking brother on screen? Nathan Jones, a.k.a. Diamond Dog former general of the Black Gorillas, he blew up a meeting of the National Rifle Association saying, and I quote, they represented the basest negativity of the white race. He wrote a book in prison called Reflections in a Diamond Eye. New York Times called it a wake-up call for the black community there, talking to Denzel for the movie. one's done it all. Kidnapping, robbery, murder, extortion. Foxtrot, Charlie, perimeter is secure. You are clear to release. His name, 
is Cyrus Grissom, a.k.a. Cyrus the Virus. 39 years old, 25 of them spent in our institution. But he's bettered himself inside, earned two degrees, including his Juris Doctor. He also killed 11 fellow inmates, incited three riots, and escaped twice. Likes to brag that he killed more men than cancer. Okay, open wide. Lift your tongue. Cyrus is a poster child for the criminally insane. He's a true product of the system. What's that supposed to mean? What is he, one of these sociology majors who thinks we're responsible for breeding these animals? No, but I could point a few fingers if it would make you feel comfortable. So, uh, Cyrus, or John Malkovich, is kind of like the the uh, antithesis of Cameron Poe. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's the big baddie. Big baddie. Gary Oldman was originally tapped to play this role, um, along with Tim Robbins, Ed Harris, William Hurt, and Kevin Bacon. Uh, I think Gary Oldman can play just about anything. Uh, I also think Ed Harris plays a better cop than yeah. a criminal. Yes. Um, or a disgruntled soldier. Or general, I should say. Yeah. Well, he also was good as, uh, what was he, Neil Armstrong? I didn't see that movie. The Right Place? I didn't see that movie, no. I, I don't remember who he played. He played one of the uh, astronauts, but I can't remember which. John Glenn or Neil Armstrong. I can't remember which. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and then we meet Dave Chappelle. I mean, Pinball Parker. Now, look at this, walking Penis. Boy, you are one skinny Negro. Easy, man. Open shit. up. Oh, man, it smells like so much shit in your mouth. Told me you loved me. <laughs> Get out of my face. All right, all right. Yeah. Pretty cool. Huh? Chappelle is, he was a good comic. Yes. Until he lost his fucking mind. In World of Warcraft. He lost his mind in World of Warcraft. And he actually got pissed off because he got tired of being overcharged for everything. Really? Yeah. He explained it several years ago that being in Hollywood, people know you make lots of money. Yeah. And that whenever he would go somewhere, everything was upcharged because they know and he just got tired of it. I, see, then he, I, the, then he played this... World of Warcraft too. Oh, okay, because that's a different story than the one that came out initially, which was he thought his co-writer was a racist. He thought uh, Kevin Brenner was a racist. Oh, really? Yeah, that was the original story that came out, which didn't make a lot of sense. Hmm. But whatever, it doesn't matter. That's a whole other thing. um, So as they're boarding, Duncan... Uh, sneaks a gun on Sims, who's the DA agent, who's going to be uh, incognito in the flight. Right into his was a shoe, right? It was in a shoe or the back or something like somewhere there. And it doesn't matter. Slips. They him put him gun. in the shoe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we're also introduced to Johnny Twenty Three, played by Danny Trejo. 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 Sorry. Yeah. He's uh, Spanish. Spanish. Well, Mexican, Spanish. I don't know where he's from, but it's Trejo. So the reason why he's number 23 is because he has 23 counts of rape, and he shows a tattoo on his arm with 23 roses, one for each of the women. Right. Uh, Danny Trejo is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was actually a reformed criminal. He, he was in jail. He got out of jail and technicality. came out and started doing stunt work and was a bodyguard. And it was one of those same kind of situations like Kane Hodder where he was doing stunt work and they asked him to do a small role and then it was a bigger role and then somebody saw him and 
they started using him as secondary characters, and then he started getting lines. So it, it was a, it was same kind of thing as Kane Hodder, mm-hmm. where he became famous like as time went on. But um, yeah, he you know I met him. He's one of the coolest guys, but he is super short, dude. Like how like, short? He, I would bet he's like five and a half foot. Something like that. I mean, oh, he's, wow, he's wow. like, yeah. I mean, he he came up to just a little bit above my shoulders. Jeez. Like, he is like, he. you can't tell when you watch him on film because they, I don't, wherever way they film him, they make him look bigger than he is. Mm-hmm. But he's a small dude. So then we see everything start set in motion as they put, they put because they put virus in a, don't they put him in a cage? Yeah, they put the Vi- virus in a cage and they put Diamond Dog in a cage. In a cage. And I don't remember Johnny was in a cage. I think he was just handcuffed. Handcuffed and put on a, on a seat. Yeah. But we see that Johnny, I mean, sorry, the virus and d Dog start taking, they mess with their hands, start taking these, pulling their pins from underneath their skin. Yeah, they had hidden pins inside their skin that they used to get the handcuffs off. And then, yeah, they use the handcuffs off. At the same time, and this is all going on at the same time. Yeah, that, that was the biggest thing. Yeah. Like, everything keeps jumping from this point yeah. on. So then you also have Bubba starts bitching because he still hasn't gotten his insulin shot. Uh, and Pinball um, <laughs> is over there. He starts coughing, coughing up. the. Yeah. Co- he had swallowed a condom, which is why his, why his breath stunk. Mm-hmm. He had, and in the, in the condom, he has some kind of, like, uh, liquid, uh, lighter fluid, like like lighter fluid and a match, um, and then um, <laughs> he spray he sprays on the Indian convict next to him while calling him chief. Yeah, he calls him chief. I don't know that he. I don't know that I ever found out what his name was, but yeah, he kept calling him chief the whole time, and that comes back. You know, there's a recall to that later, but he sprays chief with the lighter fluid and then lights him on fire. Uh, so they release Pinball from his restraints. And Pinball moves to the back of the plane and opens Diamond Dog's cage. Diamond Dog jumps out of the cage, starts running through the thing, beating the shit out of guards, yelling Alu Akbar, uh, because he's a, mu- he's a Muslim. Uh, the guards eventually start getting... Uh, Bishop's left back in the back with Chappelle uh, by herself while the other guards start to get D-Dog down and start tasing him. Well, in the process, uh, Pinball gets away from Bishop and manages to unlock Cyrus's cage. Cyrus immediately gets out of the cage. It doesn't help anybody. just immediately goes to the front. At the same time that all this shit's going on, the co-pilot decides that he's going to go check out what's going on, grabs the gun, the one gun that's in the goddamn plane, out of the thing, and walks out with the gun out in front of him. Just in time, Cyrus is right behind the door, immediately disarms the guy, and fucking shoots him. So he has now the only gun on board. Cyrus yes. has the only gun on board. And then we get our ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking, I have the only gun on board. Welcome to Con Air. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I have the only gun on board. Welcome to Con Air. And we are going to leave it there for Con Air Part 1. 
the beginning of a disaster of his podcast. Why do I say this? Wait for part two. Not one of our shiny moments, but listen to it nonetheless. It's a, it's a good train wreck. Regardless, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we're happy to be back after the holidays. Make sure to share us on Facebook, Twitter, etc. Follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Just look for JB's Driving Podcast. We really, really, really appreciate the listens and the shares. It means a lot to us. We put a lot of work in this, and we're looking forward to a new year. We're going to have some uh, new things popping up for us. Paul and I, uh, PC Paul and I, have a lot planned for you as the audience. In the meantime, we appreciate the listens. I know I just said that, but we really do. And we will see you next week for Conair Part 2.